Ladies and gentlemen, Alien Zoo is now open. everybody to Alien Zoo. My name is Chris and thanks for listening. You know, today is a very exciting day because this is the first episode of season two. Now we've had a few changes, a few additions to the establishment. I really hope you like what we've done to the place. And if not, you can send your complaints and gripes to my new show, Garbage Can. Send right in the garbage can. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you so much for listening. This is going to be fun. I have some pretty cool and interesting information for all you cryptid lovers uh, regarding cryptids, funny enough. Um, And if you wouldn't necessarily describe yourself as a cryptid lover, well, perhaps I can help you fall in love with them by the end of this episode. How's that sound? Kind of creepy, actually, right? One of the significant um, changes? Yeah, yeah, I guess you would say changes. Uh, Enhancements? Okay, one of the significant enhancements to Alien Zoo Season 2 is that we will bring you a handful of longer episodes. I've had a few people request longer episodes, um, but I have this this nuisance in the form of a full-time job. Um, uh, So they had to stay around 20 minutes or so, because that's all I had time for, really. Um, But I think uh, I'll be giving a few longer episodes a shot during this season. Um, We'll see how it goes. You know, we may have to remove ourselves from the hour and a half and under category to go over a few of what I like to call the gateway cryptids. The OGs, as the kids and convicted felons say. The cryptids that have made cryptozoology popular. Those ones are going to have long episodes. There are five gateway cryptids. Um, well, see, see if you can guess them. Uh, and, and I'm thinking maybe an hour, hour and a half episodes for those guys. Uh, it'll be perfect for those of you who have long commutes or trouble falling asleep. You know, put these longer episodes on, you'll pass right out. Also, along with a handful of longer episodes, I have a few interviews lined up with some fellow cryptozoologists and authors. Um, fellow? Well, I'm neither. But, however, I am an inspiring amateur cryptozoologist, and as far as an author, um, well, I can't really read, so... This'll be fun. This'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a solid season for cryptids. Um, I'm excited, and I hope you are too. All right. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, what the Alien Zoo has in store for you today is another twofer. A twofer. A BOGO. Buy one, get one. Only you don't have to buy a thing. This is a two-cryptid episode. A two-cryptid episode is what, is what I'm saying. There's two cryptids in this episode. We've got a scary exhibit, and we got a kind of a goofy, silly exhibit. Uh, and lucky for you, you get both. So please relax, you know, remove your pants for comfort, light up a tiny bit of that cryptid cactus, and enjoy what's about to slither into your ear holes. 
Wisconsin, United States, the land of cheese curds and Jeffrey Dahmer. There's a road in the Wisconsin towns of Elkhorn and Delavan. Delavan? I know what you're thinking. A road? Why the hell do I care about a road? This is the Alien Zoo podcast, not my Sunday Drive podcast. Well, would it help if I told you there's a beast on this road? A humanoid, hair-covered, wolf-like creature? Oh, good lord. That's right. The road I'm talking about is Bray Road. And the beast? The beast of Bray Road. Well, that worked out. The beast of Bray Road is a hairy humanoid with canine features that was sighted in Wisconsin mostly during the 1990s. This creature is described as around six feet tall with brown or gray fur. Its face is said to resemble that of a wolf complete, completed with pointed ears. It reportedly has three long claws on each hand or paw. It is also said to have yellow eyes. Its body has been compared to that of a lean, muscular man. It also tends to sit back on its haunches, which is its button thighs, or kneel like a man. The Beast of Bray Road can reportedly, can reportedly run and walk on all four of its legs, or just its hind legs. This is why so many sightings have been chalked up to being simple wolf sightings, because when this creature is low to the ground, of course it seems smaller and more wolf-like. Um, it has been seen eating its prey, or its scavenged carrion, with its hands, quote-unquote, with its palms facing upward. It has never technically attacked anyone, but some witnesses claim that it has acted, acted aggressively towards them. This aggressive behavior includes running at people and jumping on their vehicles. Crazy stuff. This creature's diet is not known for sure, but it has been e seen eating the carcasses of small roadkill. I'd like to assume it hunts like a wolf from time to time as well, tracking small prey like rabbits and squirrels. But it does make sense that, it's, uh, that it eats a lot of roadkill. Because of its supposed appearance, and because the brain is trained to find patterns, this creature was quickly labeled a werewolf due to its humanoid canine appearance. However, most cryptozoologists believe that the creature to be more of a Bigfoot, and uh, uh, I believe this as well. Uh, cryptozoologists try to avoid dealing with the paranormal absurdities involved with werewolves, which works out because there are a few cryptids that could be the culprit known as the Beast of Bray Road. And personally, I, I label it as a Bigfoot, but that's only for the cool points. Some people honestly think it's a type of semi-bipedal canine cryptid, though. While there are some who believe that the Beast of Bray Road phenomenon isn't anything more than a mass hallucination or simply a hoax, others think the Beast of Bray Road is definitely something odd but not necessarily something as Hollywood as a werewolf. This is where cryptozoology is a perfect place to turn for possible suspects. Could the Beast of Bray Road possibly be a Wahila, which is a Canadian giant wolf? Or perhaps a Shunka Warakin, which is a wolf hyena creature from American folklore? Other names that have been applied to the Beast of Bray Road include the Bear Wolf, and the indigenous dogman. Because of the numerous witnesses who have claimed to see this creature, 
The evidence supporting the Beast of Bray Road is far greater than the evidence supporting almost any other quote-unquote werewolf legend. Um, and that werewolf is in hard quotes. A lot of researchers say that the beast isn't anything more than an escaped pet wolf, a large feral dog, a bear, or possibly some other creature known to exist. Now, I have a few eyewitness accounts I'd like to read now. Okay, here's sighting number one. I lived in the town of Franklin, Wisconsin. This was about 1997 to 98. We had just moved into a brand new subdivision, and were currently the, ho- the only house that was built. The rest of the area for a long distance was empty lots on what used to be the adjoining farm's old land. Our backyard had a running creek. On the other side of the creek was some brush and a single-lane road with an old wooden streetlight that gave off an orange hue about 30 yards or so away. It was a warm summer night, and I was having a sleepover with one of my friends. We had all the lights off and were playing hide-and-seek in the dark. I went back into the sunroom and saw something crouched, Something crouched over, illuminated through the brush in the orange streetlight. I'm not sure how to describe its body posture. You know how when you're about to throw up, and you hunch over on your knees and palms? It was similar to that. Its breaths were so deep and heavy that you could see its chest heaving from that distance. We had a 140-pound Akita who stood six feet on its hind legs. I could easily tell whatever this was dwarfed my Akita. I also know that it wasn't any type of dog or wolf. Its hind legs were thick and muscular like a man's, but its body tapered at the abdomen and head like a wolf or canine. I called out to my friend who came over and just said, What the fuck is that? To me, trying not to make much noise. We sat there as it was hunched for a good 30 minutes. My dad, who was a hard-ass Vietnam vet, came out to see what the hell we were doing up so late. We asked him what it was, and he just said, I don't know. He then went outside, and we stayed in, scared for my dad. He had one of those old, quote, megalites that had, quote, the power of a thousand candles, and took it with him. He stood in the driveway and shined it onto whatever we were watching. It looked back at us, and I honestly don't remember its eye color. What I do remember is that when it took off into the brush, it took off upright, like a sprinter from the on-all-fours stance. My dad heard it splash through the creek and hightailed it in. It was one of those fucked-up moments you don't really talk about because people will think you were crazy. When I heard about it so many years later, I immediately knew I'd seen it too. Sighting number two. This took place... In Cleburne, Texas, in October 2016, at around 1 a.m., me and my girlfriend were sitting outside on my dad's porch smoking a cigarette. It was dark, so it was pretty hard to see. I also want to make note that my dad lived on about 300 acres of vacant land, and he did for a fact have many wild animals that roamed at night, as well as cattle, so we were pretty used to seeing wild hogs, coyotes, raccoons, and even wild turkey approach the house once the sun went down. This didn't seem like any of those things. There was no street lights, and the closest neighbor was about two football fields away. We noticed something creeping through the grass about 30 feet away from the porch. The movement reminded us of a coyote, but this, whatever it was, was only about a foot and a half tall 
and anywhere from 7 to 10 feet long. Its body was pressed almost completely against the ground, and its head turned towards us, almost as if it was stalking us as prey. We were pretty freaked out when we noticed, so we grabbed our cigarettes and shoes, but that's when things got even freakier. This thing had been crawling towards a medium-sized tree, and as it passed behind the tree, it didn't reappear on the other side. Could it have climbed the tree, or perhaps stood upright behind the tree, hiding, watching? I did not stay around to find out. All I know is the footsteps stopped, so it wasn't running away out of view. My girlfriend suggested we get a flashlight to try to scare it off, to which I responded, Are you fucking crazy? Get inside now. After searching Wikipedia, I thought it may have been the Beast of Bray Road, or maybe a werewolf. Pretty. Damn. Cool. One popular explanation used for the Beast of Bray Road is that at least two different creatures were seen in the same area at the same time, and they ended up getting placed under the same label, even though they should have been investigated as two separate creatures. Um, A large bear sighted in one location and a large wolf spotted in another. You add those sightings together, throw in a bit of storytelling pizzazz, and you have quite the story regarding a bear wolf creature, don't you? It's as simple as that. What do I think? I uh, absolutely think that the Beast of Bray Road could be a type of Wisconsin Bigfoot type creature. Possibly. Why not? You know, why not? Just because of the canine type snout, researchers lean towards a wolf or a wolf or dog hybrid type cryptid. Uh, why can't Bigfoot have an elongated snout? We've run into a similar situation down in Honey Island Swamp in Louisiana. If you don't remember, the Honey Island Swamp Monster is a type of reptilian Bigfoot uh, creature with a long snout. Um, Alright, well, it could just... Okay, whatever. Who knows? Who knows? I, I sure don't. But I'm thinking out loud. Alright, so that's a little bit of information on the Beast of Bray Road. If you'll follow the signs... You'll get to our next exhibit. Enjoy. From his appointed rounds. Of course, they never mentioned jackalopes. Just when you thought it was safe to check the mailbox, jackalope three terror came. COD. That's me. Do you remember that from the nineties? <laughs> oh, I just wanted to start season two out on a low note, you know. So there's nowhere to go but up from here. That commercial was my first intro to the Jackalope, and he quickly became one of my favorite fictional characters, right next to Santa and Jesus. But as the years have gone by, I was wondering if there's any truth to this so-called hoax, you know, this Jackalope. And I was very interested in what I found. The Jackalope, or Antilabit, is a mythical cryptid of North American folklore, is also known as the warrior rabbit, but I like to call it the dunny, the deer bunny. It is described as a jackrabbit with antelope horns or deer antlers, and sometimes sporting a pheasant's tail. The word jackalope is a postmanteau of jackrabbit and antelope, and antelabbit, obviously antelope and rabbit. Wait a second. That's just that's just two ways of saying. Okay. It's like, okay. 
It is possible that the tales and stories of jackalopes were inspired by sightings of rabbits infected with the grotesque virus called the papillomavirus. The papillomavirus. What this does to a bunny's body is cause the growth of horn and antler-like tumors in various places on the rabbit's head and body. They look like they're transforming into a warthog or something. It's actually quite disturbing. There's tons of pictures online. It's very bizarre and doesn't look like any fun for the rabbit. Not one bit. This virus can occur in cottontail rabbits under natural conditions, and also in domestic rabbits under experimental conditions. Wasn't able to get any clarity on what experimental conditions in domestic rabbits, what that exactly means. Alright, brace yourself, here's some science. Systemic regression of warts occurs in a variable proportion of rabbits as a consequence of a specific cell-mediated immune response. Now, these persistent warts may progress into invasive carcinomas, which is a cancer arising in the epithelial tissue of the skin or of the lining of the internal organs. Interesting. Very sciencey. Progression into carcinomas is observed in approximately 25% of cottontail rabbits and in up to 75% of domestic rabbits with persistent warts. So technically, there is a growing population of jackalopes in the wild, kind of. And a lot of these rabbits are getting these strange tumors. Now, based on the commercial I just played in the beginning of the segment, it's easy to see how the jackalope has birthed the rise of many comical claims of this creature's habit. A lot of strange um, behavior involved with the jackalopes. For example, the jackalope is thought by some to be a hybrid of a pygmy deer and a killer rabbit. Uh, Jackalopes are actually incredibly shy, It is said that they can run up to 90 miles an hour, uh, but this is utterly ridiculous and not possible. Legend has it that female jackalopes can be milked as they sleep belly up, and that the milk can be used for a variety of medicinal purposes. Oh, that sweet, sweet jackalope milk is the one exception I give my vegan diet. Can't get enough of that stuff. It has also been said that the jackalope can mimic any sound, including the human voice. And honestly, if Guillermo del Toro used human-mimicking jackalopes in his horror masterpiece Mimic, rather than the giant cockroaches, I think that would have been a much more terrifying film. By the way, uh, del Toro's 1997 film Mimic, that's this week's Alien Zoo movie recommendation. It's fantastic. It supposedly uses this technique to elude pursuers by saying phrases such as, There he goes, that way. Oh my god. During the days of the Old West, when cowboys gathered by campfires singing at night, jackalopes could often be heard mimicking their voices. It is said that a jackalope may be caught by putting a flask of whiskey out at night. But be careful where you place this, because I hear that's how you catch a Packers fan as well. The jackalope will drink its fill of the whiskey, and its intoxication will make it much easier to hunt. Also like a Packers fan. Cheating. This is cheating. I don't like it. You can easily catch a jackalope the same way you catch a leprechaun. No need to get it hammered. In some parts of the U.S., it is said that jackalope meat has a taste similar to lobster. 
I wonder if they scream while being boiled. However, legend has it, similar to Monty Python, the jackalope is actually quite dangerous when approached. This is so badass. Okay, jackalopes will only breed during electrical storms, and this could add to why the jackalope is so rare. It doesn't get to multiply often. The town of Douglas, Wyoming, has declared itself to be the jackalope capital of America because, according to legend, the first jackalope was spotted there around 1829. A large statue of a jackalope stands in the town center, and every year the town holds a jackalope day, usually held in June. Now this is crazy. Actual jackalope hunting license can be obtained during the hours of 12 a.m. and 2 a.m. on June 31st. Ridiculous. Here's a catch, though, which is very unfortunate. Hunters much must have an IQ lower than 72. Um, this is all just a big joke. And with an IQ of 75, Forrest Gump isn't even allowed to hunt jackalope. He's too smart. It is said that the most likely place to spot a jackalope is in Colorado. Now, I was wondering... Are there any other animals or cryptids that may be confusing people who have claimed to see a jackalope? Perhaps a little bit of mistaken identity? Well, there is this creature called the Wolpentinger. Wolpentin, Wolpentin, the Wolpentinger, yeah, we'll go with that. Now, the Wolpentinger, Wolpentinger is of Germanic folklore. It is a small creature having the head of a rabbit, the body of a squirrel, I think that's just a rabbit, the antlers of a deer, and the wings, and occasionally the hind legs of a pheasant. It is also said to sometimes have the feet of a duck, along with a pair of long saber teeth, instead of the constantly growing lagomorph teeth uh, found in all other rabbit and hare species. It's quite the crazy creature. I hate to break this news to you fine listeners, but I'm afraid there are some that say the jackalope is nothing but a hoax. I know, I'm heartbroken. I don't believe it, but I have to report it. According to the Douglas Chamber of Commerce, a 1930s hunting trip for jackrabbits led to the idea of a jackalope. Douglas Herrick and his brother had studied taxidermy by mail order as teenagers. Now, I remember seeing mail-away taxidermy kits in old comic books when I was a kid. Pretty cool. When the brothers returned from a hunting trip... Herrick tossed a jackrabbit carcass into the taxidermy store, where it came to rest right beside a pair of deer antlers. The accidental combination of animal pieces, like a disgusting puzzle, sparked Douglas Herrick's idea for the jackalope. This very first jackalope was sold for $10 to a curious man by the name of Roy Ball, who installed the Frankenstein creature proudly in the Bonte Hotel. The taxidermy creature was stolen in 1977, though. I don't know. It's super fun to think about a wild pack of jackalopes roaming the countryside. Um, I actually... The actual existence of a creature such as this is still up for debate, you know. It seems a bit far-fetched, but I'll continue to believe. I think the real jackalope looks more like a rabbit-warthog hybrid. And I think that definitely has to do with that rare tooth virus that rabbits can get. But let's continue to talk about jackalopes, so at least their memories can run wild. Um, if the actual animal doesn't really exist. Uh, I'm honestly just waiting for a solid jackalope movie. Alright? That'd be cool. Okay, so, I hope you enjoyed that double feature cryptid extravaganza. 
I enjoyed sharing. I really did. Uh, now, if you'd like me to continue researching these cool creatures, please subscribe and comment uh, on, on Alien Zoo on iTunes. Let me know what you think of these episodes. Uh, I'd love to hold myself accountable for releasing weekly episodes. Uh, so please let me know what you'd like to hear, what I can do better, what you hate, um, how I can release a better show. Anything. We're all here for the same reason, right? Constant sensory stimulation. That's why I have a podcast, honestly. Oh, and I love nature and cryptids and stuff. Um, all right, anyways. Thanks for listening, and until next cryptid, bye. Bye.